Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. I've got some new episodes for the 100 Mass Men series where we uncover perspectives of different men all around the world on dating, sex, gender roles, and the meaning of masculinity. This week we deep dive into single men and why they're still single. You know the type, that handsome, multi-talented, well-traveled man with all the options available for him. How could he ever settle down? There's too much in the world to explore to be tied down right now. Say hello to masked man number 19, the non-committal man. He's your digital nomad type that has been able to travel the world while working in a creative profession. We talk about what dating apps look like to him, what his expectations are when approaching women, and what he's looking for in a relationship. What we uncover is a lot more about the pressure behind choosing the one, if we agree that there only is one, and if there isn't, why bother making the commitment at all? I find it very interesting that this type is incredibly romantic in his conception of what relationships should be like. That this life partner would essentially complete him in every single way, shape, and form somehow and make him lose the need to continue exploring. We get pretty philosophical here. I hope you enjoyed the show. So yeah, I'm, I'm a man from, from Canada, late 20s. Uh, I grew up in Canada, lived around a few different cities within a within the same area for most of my until I was yeah mid twenties well early twenties and then I I moved away uh, a few times but always ended up coming back to Canada. Now I'm I'm currently living abroad. So you could say most of my twenties have been a little bit all over the place, mixed between travel and living abroad and living back in Canada, but working in a creative field uh, that was a lot less location dependent allowed me to do that. And, um, you know, so that's, that's been my, that's been my upbringing. Yeah. I guess a little bit of description of myself. I'm around six feet, I think like 175 pounds. Um, and you know, so I would say like just average size lighter lighter skin currently single haven't had too many relationships longer term relationships in the past but I'm assuming we'll get into that uh, a little bit so that's a little bit of background on me so you traveled uh, around most of your 20s where did you travel to yeah so I've been to around Asia uh, in my early 20s and and kind of back and forth Um, so China, Japan, Southeast Asia, India a few times, uh, but also Europe. So I've lived in in Spain, I've lived in Germany, in Berlin, traveled to a few places in the Western Europe, not as much in, in Eastern Europe as much as I'd like, and never to the Middle East or Africa or South America, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, mostly Europe and Asia for the most part. Okay, so when you go there and then you come back to Canada, what are some cultural aspects that you've got from there that are different that you'd say that people back at home kind of some mannerisms or just um, ways about interacting that you think has been different? Um, yeah, this is this is a great question because I think there's often the concept of uh, reverse culture shock that gets that gets spoken about. I wouldn't say that. I necessarily had too much culture shock per se, nor reverse culture shock. <laughs> I think that's something that I've always tried to, well, attributed to myself as just being adaptable to, to whatever situation that I'm in, in terms of like a geography or maybe, you know, a physical context. So 
at that, at the same time, you know, coming back to Canada, I find that people are a lot more, let's say career driven. I wouldn't say more status driven, maybe in Asia, I noticed a lot more sort of like status driven behaviors or, you know, who they know, or, you know, for example, uh, as a white male being in China, people just want to take selfies with you so that they can show, you know, that to their friends that they have a, a white friend. So it's, it's interesting in that respect. And you have to be very careful not to let that like get to you and, and, and let it, let yourself think that you can just get away with certain things because specifically in Asia, because people are not going to care or they're just going to see you as kind of like this, this funny or silly foreigner or something that someone that looks like the movies from Hollywood. So coming back to Canada, you, you get a little bit more anonymous in stuff in some ways. Um, but coming from Europe, which is a lot more focused on, in, in my experience, quality of life, lifestyle. People don't talk so much about their job. I feel like in Canada, when you introduce yourself, it's like, I'm so-and-so, this is what I do. Oh, what do you do? Oh, great. You know, and then, but in Europe, it's kind of like, I'm so-and-so, who do you know? Where have you lived? You know, okay, let's just hang out and uh, let's, ha let's have some fun. And it's like, you know, what do you like to do rather than what do you do for your career? And things are a little bit more spontaneous from, from my experience, as opposed to being back in the big city, you know, in, in Canada, people are more like, okay, let's schedule uh, a meet, um, let's meet up in like three weeks, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that that always kind of frustrated me a little bit, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of, it's just a little bit more capitalist minded. Um, and also people are a lot more individualist, I would say. Um, even though Canada is a very friendly place and it's very, people are very polite, but it's like, if they don't have to make eye contact, they won't, you know, people don't necessarily go out of their way to, to chat with you in Asia. It's even, it's even further, you know, it's, I think handshaking is, is a, is a little bit of like a, a foreign thing. So obviously people shake hands there, but it's, you know, I've been in China several times where you, you, t you put out your hand and people don't know what to do or. You know, it's not so much of people in Canada, it's kind of by default, they'll ask, hey, how are you? And the other person responds, good, you, which I always was so frustrated with because it's like, it's, you're losing all meaning for, for having an interaction. But I, you know, that's, that's what I'm used to. And so going to other places in Asia where it's like, you, sigh, you say, hey, how are you? And they say, good, and then move on with it. It's kind of like, there's a missing piece there. And then going to Europe and people want to give you two kisses and they want to give you hugs and they're like, you're my best friend, even though you only met an hour ago. So yeah, that's some differences. Okay. I like that you're saying that in North America, like it's more of a capitalist space where we're talking a lot about what you do and it's very business led. And I read this piece about like, we need to stop judging men on their success and judging women on their sexuality. And like how would you interpret that like do you think um success is a very masculine owned term you know like if you think like a man then you can kind of reach success you know yeah that's that's interesting because i think i might personally have a slightly different perspective given the fact that you know in, in the first few years of my life it was just me and my mom and she's she's a hustler and she's always been kind of on the go freelancer, uh, working for herself, driving around. She's, she's very talented. And so 
I saw that and then, you know, I, I do have a dad now, but it's, it's always been, and he's very talented too and very artistic, but at the same time, he's definitely not as career driven whatsoever. And, and both of my parents never pressured me really to do anything specific, even, you know, it was my idea. I was the first person to go to university in my family. Uh, it was my idea to choose which program I wanted. It was my idea to take a year off from that program and come back to it later. And I knew that I had the motivation to finish it as opposed to maybe some parents would would find that very scary that, okay, their, their child's moving, leaving the university. And so I always looked up to my mom in that sense. And my my dad, in some ways, like I said, he's, he's, he's very talented, but at the same time, we're in my in my view relies on her uh, finances a lot of the time so that's been my perspective right so for me i just see success as well for me personally success has looked a lot like just having the freedom to do what i want to do because maybe growing up it wasn't so much about finances but it was about restrictions so i grew up in a much more sort of conservative home religious you know it was it was not so much about you you should do this, you should do that. It was more like you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. So it was a little bit more restrictive, even in terms of my thought processes and what success could look like. So success to me always looked like saving as opposed to earning, right? And so maybe, and to, to answer your question, go back to like the masculinity of it from media, maybe you, you see that more, you see like a businessman and then the businesswoman may just look more like a secretary, whereas like the businessman might look like more of a CEO in the eyes of society. But I don't know, I just being completely honest, I, I, I see both as, you know, as e equal parts with the opportunity or the ability to achieve success, though I will recognize that there are different opportunities to, to, to different types of people. And, I, and I, I think that's in terms of getting more sort of like philosophical, I think, you know, something that I've been reflecting on a lot lately is even if a woman does want to achieve a certain degree of success and i don't think this is divided specifically between men and women because i think men men uh experience this as well but it's it depends on your my my personal opinion is it sort of depends on your willing willing to persevere and i think men inherently have this innate like part of their part of biology and i might be completely wrong but i've, I've heard this a few times where it's like the men's biology is and of evolution is just like you just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and fighting and and whether that means in in you know ancient days you know fighting an enemy or hunting and and doing this whereas the woman is a little bit more flexible and easygoing and so maybe in the workplace when the man is just competing with with everyone else and trying to to get ahead maybe there's 10 men doing this and one woman inherently is maybe like that and she's very strong-willed and she really knows what she wants whereas maybe other women are kind of like i want that but i'm actually okay where i am now and, and i'm i want it i prefer being happy and settled than and stability than i do to be at the very top and so that's just something that i've been reflecting on it's not something that i implement in my life and i would never kind of push down a woman who wants you know really wants that and I'm not even necessarily that type of man either I'm not very competitive I've never wanted to kind of like work my way up the ladder I've always just kind of been interested in doing my own thing and and learning from different people's perspectives regardless of of what their their walk in life is or their orientation or their gender or their sex what would you say now what would 
being a man mean for you? Like that would make you feel like you're doing it right for you. Mm, yeah, no, that's interesting because I think a lot of our terminologies have changed or are changing or are at least being incentivized to change over over the years as well. Whereas like in the past, even just talking about professions like mailman, businessman, you know, man, man of the house, or also just like, you know, any, any profession that has man in the title, but also even just like phrases like be a man, right? And I think that that's something that we grew up with as being like, just do, you know, do the right thing or, or just be, be what you just be strong or like be a man, don't cry or, or be a man and open, open the door for the woman, right? Or be a man and, you know, eat that disgusting thing on your plate or whatever it happens to be. I think that's changed. I, I wouldn't necessarily use ter terminology like that because I think it's a little bit one-sided in terms of, you know, the things that it applies to. I think in my own life, if you're asking me like, what would make me feel more manly? And I don't think this is in contrast to being, to being womanly. For me, it would be more just being, uh, well, being successful, maybe taking control of my life, ma making my own decisions, standing up for what I believe in when, when, you, when you hear the contrary or you see someone doing the contrary or acting you know, negatively to, towards you. So in the past, I think those things have been attributed to men, to men, like you have to speak up if someone calls you out on the street and wants to pick a fight with you, you know, being a man would be fighting that person because you can't let your pride down. Whereas like, you know, a woman wouldn't necessarily be pressured to do that, but that's never been me. <laughs> like I've never experienced that. I've never gotten into a fight because for me, it's not worth it okay, you can, you can call me names or whatever. If it's about me, like I can, I can just either brush it off or maybe I do let it affect me, but it's not worth getting into something physical about like, I'd rather just calm, calm the situation. So maybe that is me getting in touch with my feminine uh, side, but in terms of like men, me being a man compared to a woman being a woman, that's a, that's another question. I think, I think be, being a man compared to a woman would be recognizing the certain opportunities and privileges that I have inherently and not even necessarily been given, but like, this is maybe like the, the next train of thought or where, where hopefully we're going as a society. I think there's been a lot of extremes where it's like, everyone should be equal and everyone should be the same. And I hear this kind of like equality a lot. And I would never defy that as an, as a sort of like inherent goal. But I also recognize that I don't believe there is equality and I don't think that there sh people should be treated equally because we are not equal. We're, we're all very different. We all have different needs. And if you were to treat a man as a woman should be treated, it's going to be very different. And so I think, and also, you know, to, to go back to that privilege part, privilege to me is just means that you've gotten a little bit of a, a head start or you have different things given to you that you don't even necessarily ask for. And I experienced this not specifically as a man, but just being, like I mentioned, being in Asia. If I'm white and I want to do something, or if I want to get into a club, they'll let me in because I'm going to have that presence. That you could, you could put that same allegory potentially on a woman. If a woman wants to get into a club, they usually get in for free and the man has to pay. But I think that's a very, very different dynamic. And that's almost sexualizing the woman, understanding that more men are going to come and pay drinks buy drinks for the woman because there's more women in there and they're looking sexy so i think in these scenarios there does need to be a little bit of behavior a lot of behavior change 
there should be more opportunities emphasized for those, in this case, women who haven't been given those, those things. So it's not that it equals out. It's just that we need different things. That's interesting that, that you believe that we should be treated differently because we come from different backgrounds and you're, you're basically saying to be more empathetic to everyone else's individual experiences beyond just their gender, which I think is very important, especially because you travel around. Tell me about your experience on attention from like the male gaze and the female gaze. Like, do people, do you have gay men look at you, you know, and talk to you? Do you, is it mainly a certain type of woman that talk to you? Like, what type of attention do you get from the way that you dress and carry yourself that you'd say happens mm. on majority? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I definitely have paid attention to my appearance since I was a small child. Like, this is just something that I've always focused on whereas I think a lot of I see men around me sometimes where I'm like you don't even know how to comb your hair I don't comb my hair either but (laughs) I you know it's but then I have other men around me who are just like maybe they're like they're super manly and macho but they're very metrosexual in some senses where it's like you know I remember the first time I thought about should I even like shave my chest like this is something I never thought about until you know some of my male friends are like dude, you got to freshen up or like, you got to like, you know, put some cologne. I, like I've never worn cologne and I, and I just really don't always love the flavor, like the, the taste, not the taste, uh, the smell of it. But at the same time, when I, w- and when you're talking about attention that people give me in the past, depending on what I'm wearing, because I've always just been very creative with what I wore and not that often, but some have asked me if I am gay, especially when I was when, back in the man, man bun phase. I think that was like four or five years ago. And I had a man bun uh, or like, you know, just wearing scarves or, but I think this is also just, it is kind of just the essence of living in an urban an urban environment. People pay a little bit more attention to fashion and maybe men could be, could be confused as gay, even, even if they're not and, and vice versa. You know, I have a lot of gay friends where they're, you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell in the stereotypical sense. I also don't think I have a very good perception of people checking me out and maybe that's uh (laughs) something that i've just never paid attention to or just assume that people look at other people or assume that people actually aren't looking at me maybe that's a little bit of a self-confidence thing but i just don't assume that people are are checking me out so i don't notice it maybe okay i mean i like that you care about your appearance for yourself but it was interesting that you said people were questioning if you were gay if you were doing something a little bit more feminine which is a scarf we're having long hair, which are typically more feminine characteristics, right? So if you don't focus so much on people's gaze on you, how do you interact with people that you're attracted to? How do you engage with people that way? Or how do you express yourself and what works and what doesn't work? Yeah, great question. So I think from what I've been told, and and this is something that I've also not necessarily paid attention to myself, but if I'm very attracted to someone and I'm talking to them or they're talking to me specifically, I will look them right in the eyes the whole entire time. And obviously when you're speaking, it's hard to make direct eye eye contact, but if you're listening, it's very easy to just look in someone's eyes. And if you're kind of not that interested, it's, it's, it comes across more, or if you're trying to act not interested because you really don't want this person, you, you know, that they're attracted to you, then I think, looking off somewhere or kind of giving not as much, you know, response on, on some of their questions tries to get that, that point across. So the opposite of that is like, if you are attracted to someone 
And I've had people tell me like, the way you look at me is just like, is completely different. Like it just makes me feel so special or, or whatever. And I, and I didn't recognize it until people started saying it. So that, that's interesting. I guess that that's one part of it is just like giving them that attention. And I'm also, you know, when it comes to love languages, like I'm very, the people that I like, I will touch, you know, and I don't mean like I'm, I'm going straight into like any, any caressing or anything, but it's just like, if I, if I'm on a date and I, and I do like the girl, then I will, you know, make certain gestures, put my hand on her leg or on her, on her shoulder or, you know, then holding hands. And so I am that, that's what I would do. And if I, and if I feel initial pushback, you know, if it's maybe we're not on a date, but if I, if I meet someone, then it's like, then I would, I would not go there. I would not, you know, take that first step. Usually it's a lot about reading, reading the woman is what I have learned to do and also appreciate because I don't want to feel like I am making the first move to be honest and I don't know if that's like a masculine thing or a feminine thing but it's I really want to know that she wants this otherwise the whole purpose and the whole intention and my satisfaction is will be dulled because it's like me me controlling that situation so yeah that's interesting observation interesting because I remember talking to some guys and I will say what do you think about me putting the first move on right and like do you think negatively about women that like are the ones to, to, to pull the first move and then a lot of guys would say I, I would say like guys that are secure with themselves would say that means I did a good job to make you want me which means like he would be responsible for all of the pre and then you know if the woman finally takes action that's like the ultimate sign of success there because now you've done everything to make her want you back without straightforwardly saying hi I want you and like make it so direct like that so would you say that that would be the greatest accomplishment when you interact with a woman if she responds by making the first move totally totally yeah because I guess that also comes back to my experience not that I've been overly like aggressive or forward but understanding that if you kind of seem a little bit too needy or a little bit too there you know it's it's it, it can be a, a bit of a turn off especially in the very beginning like you don't open up with a kiss you know you you make certain comments you make certain conversation understand like helping her to understand that you empathize but also maybe you have common experiences that you can bond over and language languages are very helpful for that as well if you can speak I've traveled a lot, so I've, I've been with, with women from different countries, different cultures, and if you can speak even a few words of their language, that breaks down one barrier. And then you have, maybe you share a story, maybe that breaks down another barrier. So definitely, for me, the accomplishment is not, I grabbed her hand and we were holding hands, great. You know, that, that seems like, not that it's cheating, but it just seems so, it, it defeats the point, I guess. <laughs> okay, so do you have any stories that you could share of, either a success or a total fail of you trying to convince this woman to be convinced that she's into you, I guess, right? Or however the game plays out for you, like a, a particularly memorable experience on that. Like, what did you do to get the girl? Let's start with um, dating apps, because that's something that I've used, obviously, uh, in the past, but not, well, I, I, I would say I've used them quite a bit but at this at the same time I've always felt like 
it was missing something. So in, in some ways, and I actually dated a girl for a while that I met, you know, using, uh, using Bumble, but the, the duration of our, our relationship was always lingering in the back of my mind. Like, did I really earn this? And, and, and other people can have different perspectives. And I've heard of great relationships coming from dating apps and, and I will never slam them, but this was maybe something, I don't know if it, you know, where that comes from necessarily, but for me, it made me feel like if I met someone on, on a dating app, that's nice. Like I, you know, traveling a lot, you get into this mode where you adapt to certain things. So for me, it wasn't so much, I needed to be in a relationship, but having small encounters with with someone where it's meaningful you can have a nice conversation a nice time you know you're probably not going to see them again or maybe you might see them once or twice again and that was fine for me that's what I needed that's what I wanted I, I enjoyed that it didn't have to be a specific person so that's what I use dating apps for so when I started to get into a relationship with this with this girl it was like this is nice and there was a lot of amazing time that we had together a lot of value that came out of it but from my end it was always lingering in the back of my mind like i don't feel like i really earned that i mean i you know i had to work at it and i had to work at it even in the beginning it took a few conversations took a few days to to finally meet up and you know but at the same time it was like i didn't really have to go through that ambiguous phase and i think that's something that you know i'm put much more value on where it's like you meet someone you're not sure if they're into you you're not even sure if you're into them, right? But you, however you meet them and you put that effort into it because you realize, okay, you, you are attracted to them and you want to know them more. And they made, maybe they made a, a comment or uh, maybe just the way they look and maybe some of the things that they do and they just, they're very attractive to you. So you want to further that. And so for me, that almost has more, more, more worth and more value to it than just meeting someone online where it's like, okay, you already know that they're attracted to you. Otherwise they wouldn't have swiped on you, especially women. They're a lot more selective, right? It's different on the other side. And I've never been on the other side, of course, but I've heard a lot of examples where guys just swipe the heck out of that thing and where it lands, it lands. And at the, at the end of the day, a lot of guys just want to put their penis in somewhere. So it's like for women, it's more, it's more protective of themselves for, for the most part. And so you know that they're attracted to you. And so at that point, it's more like, let's meet up and see see if, you know, where it goes from there. And, you know, some pe some women can be a little bit more conservative and some of them are just more open to whatever happens. And so, but at the, at the same time, it's like, okay, that's fun, but it doesn't, doesn't provide me that much like excitement if that barrier is already broken down. So I've, I've completely quit so, um, dating apps just because I'm like, I don't want that anymore. And I want something, you know, more genuine that I can be proud of basically. Contrast to that is, you know, I've, I've, seen other guys in my life where maybe they go up to women on the street just because they find them attractive and they talk to them and maybe she totally rejects them or she, he ends up getting their number and, and, that, and that's that's really cool um I've always been very very shy to do things like that um for me where I <laughs> even like in, in clubs or bars or things like that like I've got and I've like really really pushed myself out of my comfort zone to go and talk to a woman that I had no connection with whatsoever no reason talking to her and um it's a it's very stressful for me where it's like for some other guys it might be just ah, talk to her if you get rejected it's fine and you know I've had times where I've done that and it's just like that reaction where it's just like oh, it's another guy trying to talk to me trying to get my number trying to give me attention and I hate that I hate that feedback 
not that she's doing anything wrong. I just personally hate feeling like I'm that guy. And so I'll avoid kind of approaching people if there's no setting the stage firsthand. Like if maybe you get introduced by a friend or maybe you end up sitting down beside her and, you know, something comes up on the, on the, on the news or something, you start a conversation, it's a lot easier or if you're in the street. So that's what I struggle with a lot from those both sides is like meeting someone super organically where like you're just attracted to them, but working up the courage to actually, you know, embarrass yourself in front of them or the other side where it's just like, you're kind of just picking out of a catalog, so to speak. That's how I feel. Um, And I've stopped that. Cool. I like that you said you need to, you feel like you want to earn their attention rather than a catalog of just like pick and choose because I think on both ends, there's just endless options out there with with apps which I guess cheapens the whole experience because yeah you're you're literally just choosing on appearances right and that's state and then hoping that there's chemistry afterwards whereas there is that uncertainty in the beginning of an organically led situation of navigating around reading that person's body language to then you know see if they're going to be receptive and it's that like that game right I think that makes it more impactful for you but why? Why can't a person just come up? I mean, if, if a woman just came up straight to you organically, opposite version, you know, comes up to you, offers to buy you a drink and says, hey, I'm into you. I'm physically attracted to you. Would you would you think that, again, that's similar to the catalog because she's being too direct? Like, do you want that responsibility to be the one that's convinced her versus her coming straight out to you and saying out in the open, like, hi, I'd like to talk about what this can be. I think that's a great example. I th- I would say, from my experience, it's 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 on the spectrum. I think maybe there's the spectrum where you're going up to someone as a guy, and get totally re- rejected, and then the other side where whether yeah, let's say you meet someone on a dating app, they already like you, you say come over, and then it's a one night stand, and and that's like the other side, right? And so, I would say for me. Yeah, just being completely transparent is not necessarily what I believe or anything, but on the furthest end of the spectrum in terms of value is going out of your way and fighting for that woman's appreciation of you. Then it's like you finally, you worked through that challenge. It's kind of like if you're running a race and you use steroids and you win the race, it's kind of like, okay, for me, it's kind of like, okay, that's completely pointless. You, you, that, you, you cheated and it's like what value you're going to get from that. And so, you know, if you fight for it, if you, if you're like, it's a big, big challenge. And then you finally have, you know, have that appreciation from her or she's attracted to you in the end or whatever, I would say that that gives the most worth. And then if she came up to you, she came up to me, let's say, I would also very much appreciate that because like I told you, I'm very, I'm very shy when it comes to these things. But at the same time, even though I might be very attracted to her and maybe there was a very, very unique case where. I'm super attracted to her and she comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're this, the angel of my life. Thank you for doing that. But I think in my experience, it's often been the ones that are a little bit more outgoing where it's like, okay, great. You can be my friend, but it's a little bit, a tiny bit of a, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's a turnoff, but it's just like, there needs to be some dynamic there where it's like, it can't be that easy in the same respect. I don't think you know, maybe a girl would also put up a little bit of like a defense, even if she is super attracted to a guy that came up to her to kind of bring a little bit of that challenge. Like, I want to know that he actually likes me because, you know, maybe she gets a lot of attention, right? So 
you know, she wants to kind of like weed out the guys who are kind of just just doing their their daily their daily daily pickings, I guess. I don't like the fact that men look at women as like a a conquest or a challenge to overcome. You know, it's like getting her love involves all of, all of these steps because I believe in equality, where like a woman has the the exact same access to come up to to a man and say, hey, like I would like to get to know you better and pursue like what the potential of this chemistry is and be very straightforward about her intentions here because otherwise you're playing on a story on oh that behavior can potentially mean this I can assume that or I can think that I'm going to dig deeper into that and now you're just playing with a lot of nuances and unknowns and that's where it gets dangerous right so you can I'm pretty sure you've probably met a really manipulative woman who took advantage of that, you know, and you kept giving and giving and giving, and then she just keep taking, taking, taking. Or in the similar sense, like if you always envision that that is how to get a woman and she already puts it out there from the get-go, you're like instantly turned off because you didn't think that you did the work yet. So how would you say you would equalize that in the future? Because wouldn't you want to celebrate women being able to just come up to you and say straight out, like, hey, I'm, I'm into a relationship. What do you think? Or, hey, I'm not into a relationship, but I want to hook up. What do you think? Why is that not okay? Or why, like, why do you have to be the one that started it? You know what I mean? In order for it to be valuable for you. Because that's what it seems like. Totally. No, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I think going back to the spectrum, even the spectrum of males, let's, let's talk about. I would, I would definitely put myself a lot more in, in the middle where I, I would appreciate that woman coming up to me. I would have no problem. When it comes down to, is it, is it about pursuing a relationship? Usually people don't, a stranger doesn't come up to another one and be like, I want a relationship with you. It's, it's more like, I am attracted to you. And, and then it goes from there. And they might not even say I'm attracted to you. They might kind of try to play it off and be like, you know, because they don't want to be too in your face. I think that comes from both, both sides. Like they don't want to look too eager because that's a turn off, right? So I've always been a fan of like the Sadie Hawkins approach, you know, where the 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 girl asked the guy out to the dance or, you know, a girl coming up to to me would would make my day. Like it's awesome. That's that's definitely one one side of it. On the other side, I've had a lot of friends. I, so this is another comparison between Europe and Canada, but I've had a lot of friends where like they've told me, "Dude, you got to you got to take the the girl out for at least two or three dates and you have to pay for like if you're taking someone else, you have to, you have to pay for them. Like you have to buy everything. It's on you. It's the, uh, it's the obligation of the man. And, you know, my approach has always been a little bit more holistic. And I've, I experienced that a lot more when I was in Europe, where coming to Europe, you know, the woman just insists that you either split or she pays one, you know, maybe you start at one place, have some, you know, have some tapas or whatever. And then, go to another place and and then I'll pay the next or I pay the first one, she pays the next one. So I think Europe is a little bit more on that sort of like uh, in my in my experience, a lot more on the sort of level playing field, at least the, the women that I've met. Whereas in Canada, I've met women as well where they just like don't even offer to pay at all the, the whole entire night. And it's like, okay, I'll pay the next one, I'll pay the next one. And is that my obligation? And then it's like, okay, well I had a great night. I'm gonna go home now. And it's like, okay, you, you have every right to do that. But it makes me makes me wonder like where is that where is that yeah equality. So for me, I'm, I much prefer, and it's not even you know me being cheap or anything. It's just I I prefer to know that the, that that woman is is serious and not just trying to.
play into this societal view of what a man and how a man and woman should interact. And then also male friends telling me that as well, you know, me coming from my own perspective. And so, yeah, I, I, I do like that idea. Yeah, I think, I think it is a lot of your own perception in the same way that I have my perception about dating apps, right? So someone might use a dating app to get a, to actually find a relationship. And for whatever reason, I have it in my head that that's not something that I want to have. And I don't want to tell that story down the line like that or have that even in my mind that like, oh, we met because we went out of our way to find someone and we just kind of came across each other and it just worked out. Here's another thought that I definitely have lingering. And, you know, I don't even know if I agree with it or not, but it's something that I've, I've heard also through doing some research. And you know, I, do, I do research this kind of thing from time to time. And, but I do, I do value science and logic a lot um, in contrast and how you can incorporate it with common society and also spirituality. But let's focus on biology a little bit. It, to me, it makes sense. And I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if it's a societal thing, which came first, chicken or the egg, you know, whether biology came first and influenced society or society influenced what, you know, just made it up. But when you think about like inherently when a, when a man and woman come together, the woman, I mean, in terms of reproduction, the woman is going to be with a, a child for at least, well, nine months, but, you know, much longer, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And if the woman kind of just let herself be with any man who, who came along and or went up to a man and the man was like, yeah, sure, let's do this, which is a lot more common, then there's a little bit of risk there because at some point she's going to approach a man who's like, yeah, let's do this. I'm horny. And he hadn't, he didn't have to work for it whatsoever. And in the morning he's gone. And in a few months, she she's pregnant and she has to deal with this. And so obviously that doesn't happen as much now and people have different ways of going about that. But I think from a biological standpoint, it has some logic to it where innately we're kind of built this way. Men are built, you know, actually men are less, much less valuable in the big scheme of things than women are because you only need one man to, to populate or to impregnate many different women, right? So you know, from that standpoint, it's like, if a woman didn't actually have any trials for the man to go through, then, you know, it, it would be harder to maintain that stability within sort of raising, raising a population in a much more structured and strong way. So the man actually have to go out of their way, earn that respect from the woman, then they open up, you know, because a woman's not going to just open up to, to any man, she's learned that lesson uh, too many times, right. So that's a little bit of a, side side uh, side thought but i i have a level of belief in that and i will admit that okay so is it more that you have to prove in her eyes to choose you or is it that she's choosing you within a pool of other guys that you have to prove that you're the best like is it a comparison about you versus all other men in priority of her life or are you just going to be like the diamond in the rough, like everything for her somehow. And it's all about her. Or is it about all men? And you kind of win in this conquest for this one woman. That's where it gets tricky, I think, because I, I've i always been much more interested in the woman wanting me for me and me wanting her for her rather than me wanting her because otherwise some other man's going to get her. 
right? And I think that's a dangerous place to be in because just because you win the game once, let's say, quote unquote, with that amazing woman that you found that all the other guys were interested in and she happened to like you and that's wonderful and that's awesome. And, and you, maybe you like, but at the same time, you have to question yourself. Do you like her because all the other guys like her or do you like her because of, of her? And so it's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's the Romeo and Juliet scenario, but it's more like, I don't know, for, I can't even think of another, another, you know, imagine you, you, you fell in love with like some sort of royalty and they somehow liked you, liked you back, but, or like some famous uh, actor or celebrity. But at, at a certain point, when is it going to come down to you're not quite giving her everything that she wants and some other thousand other guys are more than willing to do that for her? You know, so I'm not saying that's the fault of the woman, but it's it's almost like a, a scenario thing where even if you begin win in the beginning, you marry her five years down the line, you can't quite provide like the things that even she imagines that she that she wants or needs or society's telling her that she should have because she's so beautiful and accomplished and et cetera. And someone else a little bit, you know, more either different or capable comes along and there you go. So heartbreak or 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 whatever family falling apart. So in some ways, I much more value just like being on that level playing field where it's like, yes, there's a degree of competition, but I don't want to be competing with millions of other men because that's just, that's a, that's constant stress, right? Uh, thinking that uh, I have to keep performing so that this woman just doesn't go for the, another, the next best option. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that's how women feel, that they are always in competition with each other because the man has so much agency and choice he can kind of like leave and, and go wherever but traditionally you're right like it should have been the other way around where you know men should be competing with each other to be the best man you know because technically there should only there doesn't need to be as many men right but instead based on all these societal and cultural environments it's kind of flipped it the other way and that's why I think like it's interesting because I feel like women have to be like everything you know or just the whole full package so I'm interested to hear what you think about being what a woman needs you know as a way to satisfy your purpose and being in her life how much of that is in your performance sexually versus completing her life in general like mm. how, how how would you say that you like how much of your worth is in your performance sexually to please her versus like every other aspect emotionally mentally whatever that's really interesting too and i think it comes up a lot in you know some let's say societal conversations about a man's a man's performance but it's hard for me to contextualize because i can't compare my performance to any other man i've never been in the bedroom with another couple I'll, i will say and i've never been with another man so i don't know what I can only compare it to what each individual woman tells me of their experience. And I've been surprised at times to learn that some of the women that I've been with had only been with a very small handful of other men in their lives, even if they were over 30, you know? And so it, I was surprised and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not judging whether that's right or wrong, but it's, it's interesting to note. And I've also been, you know, with, with women in the past where they've told me, yeah, in my last relationship, I've only, we only had sex once every two months. And for me, that was also unimaginable. So in some ways, 
I never questioned my own sexuality in terms of, you know, as being a major factor. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a huge part of it, but I, I always, in terms of my perception of what the woman needed, it was almost like, it was just a given, you know, the other things would be that I, you know, if, for that relationship, for example, that was not our case. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, I'm not, I can't compare, you know, why that was the case in the past versus with me, other than the fact that like, for me, it was just very important to have equal satisfaction in the bedroom. Like for me, again, it's like one of those things, if I'm the one just trying to please myself, it, no, there's no point. I might as well just be using a flashlight. Like at that, at that respect, it was a lot more about showing her the other needs that that she expressed, which was, you know, it's different for for different women, but in maybe as a generalization, you know, assuring her that that you're there for them, and and maybe kind words and actions and making dinner for them, or or for some women it's gifts, or for others it's you know showing that you appreciate their family. It's different for everyone, but yeah, I think in that particular relationship, it was the main struggle was trying to identify what were actual needs or what did she actually have to feel validated about, which were actually things that she was working on. And it stressed me out, I think, because I didn't know if that those were just like inherent things that any man should show a woman or if it was just a clash of what we thought was were were true values in a relationship do you talk amongst other male peers about women how you guys interact with each other and get to an understanding and find commonalities or do you just navigate by yourself like is there any peer support I uh, I ask a lot of questions <laughs> I remember my my first uh, before my very first relationship and I was probably older than than most people, but I remember asking a lot of my close friends, like, "Hey, do you think like this is a good this is a good thing? Should I try this? Should I ask her?" Blah blah. blah. And then in in uh, you know other relationships and encountering different things, I'm very open with talking to my close friends about like, "Hey, this is this is what's happening. This is what's going on." And not only male friends, but also female friends. I think for me, I, that's provided me also a incredible value because you you get both perspectives and. So yeah, I'm, I'm super open. And I think a lot of those things, a lot of those conversations has allowed me to come to understandings about, okay, here's what I could, here's what I could actually work on me as a, as a human being in, as a general, as a general sense. And then here's what you should not beat yourself up about, because that's a unique case. And you, yeah, you may need to work through it, or you may need, need to just, you know, cut, cut that relationship because it's, you know, each of you maybe have different things that you need to to, to learn, let's say. Would you say that um, most of your relationships, who who ends the relationship? Is it usually you or the other? It's definitely me. Yeah. Why is it you? Like, what what um, where does it fall apart for you? Or like, which part does it not measure up enough that you walk away? Is there a theme? I don't know. <laughs> I think that that, that <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a complicated answer to a very simple question. But I haven't been in many serious relationships, let's put it that way. But the ones that I have been in, or even the ones where it's like it could have evolved into something serious, it's a lot of the time been probably my tendency to just, not for like diversity, like I need to be with a different woman, maybe that's a big part of it too, but also just geographically um, and not wanting to be tied down geographically, not wanting to be tied down emotionally or 
in some ways potentially just thinking to like being too much in my head about like what the different considerations would be if I stayed with this person like would I be able to handle this thing five years from now would I be able to handle what comes up 10 years from now this is someone that I see myself with for a very long time or when I look 10 years into the future am I kind of like you know it's they're not completely ideal but I kind of just settled so I I fight between a lot between what does it mean to settle for for less not saying that that these women were less by any means it was always just is it at what point should I should I just settle and at what point should I hold out for that really um the really integrated or the really great relationship that I need and at, at some points I think I don't even necessarily know what I want or what I need and I'm happy enough especially for a long, long period of my life like I told you I'm very happy or I was very happy having these one-off you know, let's say romantic experiences. And that was fine for me. That was, that was, that was satisfying. And, and it wasn't anything that was like bad per se. It was just, so being in this, these relationships, it's kind of like each one has their different aspects. But I think ultimately the theme is when I look ahead, is this someone that I really want to be with? Or is it kind of like, I'm just here. So I think that's the theme is more like, we typically, typically it's not like it comes to a huge breaking point or like you cheated on me or like, you know, you, we just don't love each other anymore. And we're like always fighting. No, it's usually just like, this is fine. Do I want fine? Maybe not. Well, I think it makes sense because your general lifestyle has been very non-committal, you know, because you seek that freedom and that liberation to do whatever you want to do. You don't have like a set career path. You've always just kind of done your own thing so I think it's interesting that you think staying with one person means settling in a negative connotation right because women wouldn't look at it as settling like they'd be afraid to restart the whole process right that's why like they would they kind of are first to settle because they don't want to have to like go back into the whole scene and like begin all over again Um, whereas I think men don't mind doing it because there's always opportunity for whatever more growth or whatever but like why do you think it's uh tying you down or like settling down or like why do you think that instead of like if you found the right partner they should elevate you and open up more opportunities for you you know what I mean like it should be the exact opposite um versus like oh I like you this is cool we can chill in this like comfort comfortable bubble whereas instead shouldn't you want like to find someone that like constantly challenges you makes you feel uncomfortable unsure but then it still secures you somehow. And it's just like this really interesting dynamic where that's not settling down anymore. That's like a perfect fit versus, hey, let's, let's, let's settle in this like comfort zone. Like why, why does that, uh, why do you have that negative connotation when with uh, monogamy, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question too. I think it has many, many different angles to approach that. But I think, like you said, it was part of my, part of my lifestyle, but it was also just part of what I was used to. Like I, I was used to constant change and I, and I kind of craved that. And I also didn't need the stability. So whether you talk about relationships or whether you talk about someone where it's like, I just want a room with wardrobe and I want a kitchen to cook in and I want to have my books on the shelf. And it's like, I didn't need that for that period of time changing now. But (laughs) I think that with it comes also uh, appreciation for, for relationships. And so um, there's been times where I've like thought about and tried getting into relationships and then realizing there's nothing wrong with the person. It's just like, I'm just not there. 
you know, I got what I needed from, from living in different places and experiencing different things. I got what I needed in terms of the challenges, in terms of the uh, affection, in terms of the, you know, the dynamics that some other people get from a relationship I got from other places. So I think that was part of it. But yeah, it's definitely changing now. So what would you seek for now in a partner that would make you want, would make you feel motivated to engage in a deeper long-term relationship with them? Mm -hmm. No, and that's something that I've been thinking a lot about even over the last few years, but it's really kind of settled in this year. Maybe that's similar for a lot of people, but basically one thing that I just, I value or try to really hone in on the most is do I actually like love the person? Do I, when I, when I think about them or like you, you look for certain signs, like, do I want to be with them right now? Yes. Would be great. When they text me, do you get excited to see that? Like, I'm not saying that this has to be a lifelong thing. Obviously relationships go through ups and downs or different phases, but I'm, Part of me really does feel like in the beginning, yeah, it should have a little bit of a challenge to get there. And then also should have a little bit of that excitement aspect. And I, and I experienced that so much stronger when I was young, you know, when you have a crush on someone and they don't, they don't respond or you don't know how to handle it. And then maybe like in my early twenties, when I met girls and I had like huge crushes on them, but you know, it didn't work out. And now it's, I don't know if it's just been jaded from those experiences or just having grown up and recognizing that the girls that I'm interested in are not interested in me and the girls that I'm like, ah, yeah, they're, they're, they're great. They're, they're great, but they don't kind of put that spark. And, and so it's like in the beginning, I kind of, I, I would love to have that spark in some ways, or like think about, you know, I would go anywhere with this person. And if I don't have that, it, it almost feels like, is there something missing or am I just thinking about this too hard or thinking about it in the wrong way? Or am I being too uh, idealist or am I being too romantic? So I think that that's a big part of it is just like that craving to be, to have a crush maybe. And I think it's been very hard for me to just find that person. Does that make sense? Well, I think that there's a lot of pressure there because you're, because you want like compatibility but then you also want chemistry. Like you want it to be like so exciting and dramatic and your feelings are all over the place. And then at the same time, you want to be super stable and having this compatible, like they, none of these things match, right? So, you know, and then on top of it, you're going to be like, oh, what's the five-year plan? What's the 10-year plan? And then, all, you know, everything is just very scary now, right? Because now there's so much pressure onto this person satisfying all of these things, right? Like how is anyone going to, be able to make you change your thought process or your behavior if you're the one that's like always circling around different ideas right like it's no wonder that no one can touch you deeper right because you're not allowing anybody to you're like constantly creating new things to overthink about right you're know. right you're right it's a it's a huge amount of pressure that you end up putting on that per person whether they feel that or not um so i don't know the answer <laughs> yeah um yeah I don't I don't know either I think um I think that's a, a big reason for a lot of people to just remain in the safe zone of I'll, I'll deal with the people that I'm like lightly attracted to that I can maintain an okay conversation with and then it's just like this weird friendly nature but when you enter long-term friendships like not for a romantic purpose 
how come those last? It's because you didn't expect, you didn't think about their five-year plan if they're going to still be in your life. You just like hanging out with them, right? So why, why is there this like huge need to encapsulate the whole relationship before it even starts? Those friendships, they're not going to be a lot of the things that a relationship is going to be. You can have a friend and you can have great conversations, but even all of my friends in some ways, I don't want to say serve different purposes, but they're, they're different dynamics. Like some friends, every time we get together, we, you know, just go and eat something or other friends, you might talk about, you know, current, current relationship uh, happenings or other friends, you might just get together and do, do something creative and uh, other friends you just travel with. And so, but if you are with that, like I'm, I typically don't have friends where I just want to be with them every day. And in a relationship, you're going to be with this person every day. You're going to be in bed with them. They have to be attractive to you to a degree. Otherwise, you're not going to even want to, you know, necessarily have sex with them or, you know, show them the appreciation that that they deserve. And so I think attractiveness is a, is a huge part. And, and also that give and take, like what is going to mo- motivate you to go out of your way constantly for that person? And I don't think it, that can just be with any any person that comes along so yeah your friend and and I also have a lot of friends where maybe I I talk to them once every two weeks and I don't want to have a relationship where I'm talking to the person once every two weeks and and I don't really even my family like I'm not calling them every day I have friends who call their family every single day and it's like if they're living uh, somewhere else and so I'm also just that type of person where it's like if I'm with this person then they kind of have to check a few more boxes than just your family and friends so I just want to wrap up with this one question they answer what negative ideas do your female friends have about themselves that you wish could change well I think it's different obviously for for different females but it's a hard question maybe this is a very surface surface level thing and it it doesn't apply to everyone but at least the, the woman that I've been with I really appreciate when they can wear a very low level of updo, you know, like makeup or hair or clothing. And it's just like more minimal. And this is obviously going to depend on the woman and what they appreciate and what they, what they like. And, and also what, what men like, I think, I think it's just been in the potentially in the past where a man, you know, I've seen these videos online where it's like, <laughs> the woman has to wake up before the man gets up or maybe back in the day where it's like they wake up, they do their makeup and they go back to bed so that the man thinks that they're actually, they look like that all the time. Right. And I, I just really appreciate it when a, when a woman can just kind of show a little bit more of just like her true, true self. doesn't mean that she has to, I mean, men basically don't put any effort into, into their, their look for the, for the most part, but yeah, I, I guess it would be that like, just, just rock your rock your own features find find what works and i'm not saying that no one should ever wear makeup or or do anything with their hair i think that's another creative expression and and everyone should do what they like but if you feel the pressure to do it because you won't be appreciated by a man like i know that there's men out there that that don't don't give a shit about that so i think that would be that would be my main my main feedback awesome well thank you so much for this So this is just one perspective of the non-committal man that I've encountered so far, but what are your thoughts? Are there additional attributes of the non-committal man that hasn't been discussed yet on the show? 
Let me know. And again, if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram, and I'll see you all next Wednesday with more episodes of 100 Masked Men. Bye for now. <laughs>